Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, if you would. Today I have this message that uh, I'm, I've titled, Strong and Courageous Faith. I hear God bringing a word that has been really setting inside my soul for quite a while and something that I've been just praying about and working towards. It's been affirmed in a number of other things. That God is calling his church to be strong and courageous. And those are two very important words that jump out to us from Joshua because that is repeated over and over again, be strong and courageous. The book of Joshua is about moving mountains. We could do a study in the book of Joshua, we're not going to right now, but we could do a study and look at what it means to move mountains because here you have an entire nation that has been wandering in the wilderness and a transition in leadership takes place where Joshua takes over from Moses and he's going to lead the people into the promised land. God said there is this land of flowing with milk and honey, kind of a metaphor of the richness and the blessing of of God's, because when God says, I have a promise for you, the benefits are huge. You know, when God says, I make this promise to you, man, it's like, it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. But the journey required a lot of moving mountain type stuff, overcoming the giants, overcoming overwhelming situations. And it was one of those things where God said, I made a promise, but they didn't just walk in and like take it over. They had to work at it. They had to fight for it. They had to take possession of something that there were people in that land were saying, no, you can't be here. You can't have this. And so all of a sudden we see some of the mountains being moved in a northern and southern uh, military battles. We see it, you might recall, man, mountains came down. Literally, the wall came down, right? The walls of Jericho, the, the battle of Ai. I mean, there were so many examples of where God said, you are going to move mountains. I made this promise to you. Now go. But you're going to move mountains, and you're going to have some work as you go through this. One of the big takeaways that Joshua, the, the, if you look at the entire book, and if you were to read that, you would discover that Joshua is really making a very clear and very powerful statement. You must be careful to not mix or let your life be influenced by false religions. You must not let your life be mixed up with or influenced by the things that are not faithful to God. Because what was happening as they were moving into this new place, into this new land, there was a lot of influence, there was a lot of, if you will, pressure from those around them to somehow kind of blend in. And God, Joshua is saying, we're not here to blend in. We are not here to be absorbed into their culture. In fact, we are here to change them. So the Word of God says, be strong and courageous, nation of Israel. Because we are going to be the influencers of these people. They are not going to change us. That is a word for the church today. We have been called to change the culture rather than let the culture change us. And it's time for us as a church and churches around to now become strong and courageous in being the influencers of the culture around us rather than letting the culture change us. And I'm concerned that that is happening. So we can be strong and courageous as we are faithful to God. Our strength and our courage is directly related to our faithfulness in God. 
Those who are not faithful to God will find their strength weakened, and they're going to lack courage. But when you have strong faith, when you live, again, with faith, as we've been talking about it, then there's strength and there is courage. The question is, are we ready? Are we willing? Are we strong and courageous enough to overcome the giants around us? And I believe for us to repossess our land, I believe a lot of what we have has been taken away. And you look at this pandemic culture, it has stolen away so much of what we've had. And now it's time for God to, and I believe a word that he's speaking is that we would be strong and courageous and we would capture back the land that he's promised us. Listen, where you live right now is a direct promise of God. See, the light even came on to affirm that. Praise God. You are not here by accident. You might think your job brought you here. You might think, well, I was born here. And that might be true. But you, in fact, are here because God called you. Every single one of you. And God has called you to this place until he doesn't call you. You have a responsibility to take a stance and to stand strong, and to be courageous in the call of God. And the most important thing that you and I do is to understand the call of God in our life. Someone asked me about, you know, why do I, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing, and, you know, couldn't you, wouldn't you, like, want to do something else, whatever. And I, here was my response. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. This is because I really believe who I am. This is from my, my, my soul. I said, I can't do anything else. Because I'm called by God. And until God sends me my termination notice, I'm here because God called me. Can you say amen to that? And that's something that we need to all recognize. Not just me, every one of us. Whether you're in the shipyard, you're a teacher, you're a medical worker, you're retired. Whatever it is that you might be doing as you're raising your family, you know, helping with the grandkids, whatever that might be, you are still called of God. And that is something that we all need to recognize, and that's what Joshua is teaching us, because there's something about repossessing the territory and starting to live like we're an owner rather than a renter. I think a lot of us live like we're renters right now. You know, there's a difference between being an owner and a renter. There really is, because of how you care for, how you see it, and what takes place. I'm I'm going to frame it this way. I think a lot of Christians live like they're renting rather than they're owning. And God has called you to be an owner and to be a possessor of what he has promised to us. And we can live like an owner, which means we become responsible and realize there's work and effort that's going to go into that ownership. I was thinking about some of the things that the nation of Israel went through. There's so much that are examples the one that stands out was the miracle of manna. That's a miracle. Can you imagine you wake up every morning and there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then when you go to bed, it just rots away. You know, that's what, you know, God's cleanup. It just literally rots. And then you start over again the next day. The problem with that miracle is that it becomes, it's a blessing, but it becomes a curse. Because now you're no longer working for your meals. You no longer, and all of a sudden God, he makes this transition, says, okay, now I'm going to stop the manna, and it's time for you to plant seeds. 
till the ground, harvest the field, and then share the benefit. But God, manna was so much easier. Now, while they had manna, they complained because it was so boring. Can you imagine having oatmeal every day for 40 years? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Can you say amen to that? <laughs> yeah, you'd be complaining too. And then as soon as you start harvesting, working the ground, then you'd be complaining again. That's, that's the cycle of the church. That's what God is speaking to us. That we, we want something, and God says, I'm going to give it to you, but you know, there's going to be some work involved with this. Listen, look at uh, verse 1. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. I love the qualifier. Moses passed away, and, and this is like, let me, let me talk about who he is. He's a servant of the Lord. What a, that's, you know, if you want to put something on my gravestone, servant of the Lord. I mean, that, that's enough, right? It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, obviously stating the obvious, but there's a transition taking place. Because, and this is an important one, because the word to Joshua is, you are now going to lead this people into the promised land. Moses is not going to lead this people in the promised land. Now, you might be thinking, if you don't know your Bible story, well, Moses must have, I mean, he's 120 years old. He must have been a really old guy, and it was time for him to, like, retire and not do the work. The Word of God says that at 120, this guy was as fit as a 30-year-old. I mean, can you imagine being 120 and having the strength and the endurance and the ability of a 30-year-old? Some of you 50-year-olds would love to have that. Can you say a of that? Yeah. So, I mean, Moses had it all together. But something had happened with Moses. And you can read about it in Scripture. But at the waters of Meribah, God has spoken to, Lo, to Moses because they're on their journey. And they needed water. Now, you've got to understand the situation to fully appreciate is that. So Moses, you know, was kind of complaining to God. He's dealing with the lack of water plus the complaining of the people and the grumpiness of them. And on and on it goes. And so God says, Moses, man, speak to the rock and you're going to get water. Just speak water, come forth. Moses revealed, I think, his heart and some of the deep struggles and character that was going on because he didn't just speak to the rock. He tried to break the rock. He was so mad, frustrated, overwhelmed. He's, he didn't want to speak to that rock. He said, I want that water. Now, boom. In direct disobedience to God's word. Now you might think, well, what's the big deal? We all have frustrating moments. We all get a little impatient and angry. God had been very clear to Moses from the very get-go. You might recall Moses had a bit of an anger problem anyway. His heart. It revealed his heart. And at that moment, God said, so here's the consequence. Your disobedience means you don't get to go in the promised land. Now, I'm going to put you on a hilltop a mountaintop, and you can look at it, you can see it, but you're not going in it. Instead, I'm going to bring you home. Here's the point. He could have gone in, but he isn't going in because of disobedience. 
I believe a lot of what happens in the church today, and, and we, we somehow don't understand this well enough, we become disobedient, and you know what? There are consequences to that disobedience. And a lot of times we are missing out on some of the blessings that God has because of that disobedience. And I wonder where are those places where you and I have been disobedient that is holding back God's church. There are consequences to our behavior. You might think, well, you know, one you know, bad moment, where is God's grace? Well, there was God's grace. Moses got an opportunity to see the land. That was God's grace. Look at verse 2. It goes on and says, Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this, this people, to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. Now, look at verse 3 as well. I want to connect these two. It says, In every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I think it's interesting that the very first mountain obstacle that they're going to go through is the Jordan River. Now the Jordan River at this point is it's stationed, it kind of flows between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, probably about 70 miles approximately long. And at places it just it moves like a river. Other places it's going to look like a creek depending upon the time of year and whatnot. But here is that first place where he says, go over, cross over, go through the Jordan. In other words, in order for you to get through to the promised land, you've got to go through this barrier of water. And when you get on the other side, then it's going to start. And he says, listen, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Every place you walk, and the people of God walk, I'm going to give you that place. I think it's interesting. The first place that they're going to walk over is the Jordan River. Given all of its meaning and the power, here you are in a desert. And you're going to walk over water. Water in a desert means what? Life. And here is a statement to the nation of Israel. I want you to walk over this river, want you to cross through it, that represents life, and wherever your feet tread, I will give you life. God doesn't do anything by accident. I believe this is a powerful statement at this moment as they walk through this water, get to the other side, and God is speaking a powerful word. You know what? Joshua? Yeshua? which literally means in the Hebrew, the Lord is salvation. Joshua, the Lord is salvation. Walk over this water where there's life, and as you continue to walk and go throughout the land, you're going to own it. Listen, wherever you walk, God has made that same promise. It's not just for Joshua and the people of Israel. It's for us at Abundant Life and throughout the church today that when you walk, if you walk in such a way with that kind of understanding, that is what God is going to give you. We have this peninsula. Let's walk it. So when you walk to work, you walk at work, you walk around the stores, 
uh, you walk around church, you go to parks, wherever you might go, wherever your feet tread, claim that in the name of Jesus. Claim your classrooms if you're a teacher. Claim those medical wards if you're a medical person, a nurse or a doctor. Claim your church as you walk at your church. Claim the shipyard where you walk. Because God has made a promise that something goes with you. It's not the walking, but it's God in you that begins to release some amazing blessings. So be strong and courageous as you walk. In verse 5, it says, No man, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord of salvation is speaking to his people, to Joshua here in particular, but to us as well. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now you're thinking, wait, that list looks like that's to Joshua. Hebrews 13 affirms the fact that's for us as well. Look what it says, verse 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Does that sound familiar? Right? So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So here's a warning. Stay away from love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. That's just one warning. That's not like that's it. But there's one example of, of a, an important issue. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. And then look at verse 6. Quick follow-up, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to give their, I swore to their fathers to give them. So here's the deal, be strong and courageous. How can we do that? Because I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. So you can stand in places that are absolutely, potentially overwhelming, scary. In the middle of a pandemic, we can take a stand and reclaim the places that have been gobbled up by a virus and redeclare in the name of Jesus, I'm gonna, we are going to stand strong and courageous. In the midst of politics, economics, and all the kinds of things that we battle and fight that are trying to rob the very power of God, which they can never do. It's not going to work. But we stand strong and courageous. Because... Look what it says, I swore to their fathers to give them. God is saying, I swore. Now, I got I to gotta pause for a second. That is like one of the coolest Hebrew words ever. If you were to look it up in your dictionary, you would discover that the Hebrew uh, sabah literally means seven. But here's what God is saying. He says, when, when he says, I swore to their fathers, God says, I sevened myself. Now what does that mean? I sevened myself. That means he is saying that when I make this, I swear this, I swore this, it means seven, which is perfect, the perfect number. I have promised this and I'm declaring this seven times. Seven times I make this commitment because that's the perfect number and you know that I am a hundred percent good for my word. So it's as if God has said, he has promised to promise to keep his promise with a promise so you can own the promise of promise by his promises. 
There's seven there. <laughs> the Word of God tells us, it affirms the fact that my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. You know what? We, we prosper because we understand the promises of God and the Word of God. Look at verse 7, powerful verse right here. Verse 7 and 8, very important. It says, so only be strong, and now very courageous, right? So we're kind of amplifying it up here a little bit. So now it's not just courageous, now we're very courageous. There's a, a qualifier there that you may observe. So here it is. So here's the, here's the connection here, because as Moses was disobedient, now he's saying, I want you to be obedient. That you may observe to do according to all, not some, all the law, which is the scripture, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So do not turn to it from the right hand or the left. In other words, go straight down, that you may prosper wherever you go. Ah, oh, that's interesting. God wants us to prosper. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. Let me repeat that. You shall meditate in it, important day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So there's a qualifier. If you do this, then this will happen. So what's the secret to success? What's the secret to prosperity? Pretty simple. Live by the book, know the book, obey the book. So if you want to be successful in life, successful not in terms of monetary, material stuff, but successful with insight and wisdom, to understand how you can best live life, how you can do marriage really well, how you can be an amazing parent, a grandparent, how you can be an amazing believer in Jesus. How is it that I can prosper and be successful in who I am in all of these things? Here's the answer. Live by the book, know the book, obey the book, the Bible, the words of God. Say that with me. Live by the book. Know the book, obey the book. Pretty simple. And yet this is so amazing because if you want to see success in life, you want to experience prosperity. If you want to live really well and not just see the promised land, but move into the promised land. If you want to be an owner and not just a renter, then live by the book. Know the book. Obey the book. Because the Lord is always with us. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, the Lord your God is with you. That is a promise that God has already said, I sevened myself in this. So this is a guarantee, and the guarantee is even furthered by Jesus on the cross. He is our guarantee that all of this is true. And so faith gives us the ability to stay on the path that God has chosen us. And God has chosen you to be here. God has chosen you to live here. God has chosen you to fulfill the call of God. And so we know that the church can bring about amazing change, positive change, to our culture, even though we're in the middle of and going through a pandemic. And it's time for us to clearly wake up. There is a better way. There is a right way. And I believe there is a best way to live through the pandemic. And here it is. 
going through it together. Doing this alone is dangerous and just not a good idea. Because the Lord's always with us. There's something about the, the idea of how he is with us. He's with us as an individual. And I think some of us mistaken the idea, well, I don't need anybody. I've got God. I've got me. I'm good to go. Let me be clear. You are wrong. This is not the way to live life. And you are not going to get through things successfully until you open up your life and realize, yes, God is at the center. He is our priority. And so is all of this that he's provided that we are together in this. And I really believe as I look at the church, as I've studied where we're at, what we're going through, we've been traumatized by this pandemic. There's no doubt in my mind that a lot of us who are out there professionally, you look at the scoreboard, I mean, right now, how do you live with the fact of so many hundreds of thousands of people have passed away because of a virus? How is it that we live where we, we see and hear so much right now? I believe there is a post-traumatic stress that has taken place in the life of the church and a lot of people. I see the evidence of it because in the church, we act like we're paralyzed, like we can't get up and move. I've talked to so many people, I said, so what's going on? Why are you not moving forward? How come you're not getting up and let's move back into ministry? And it's, well, I can't. Why can't you? I don't know. It's just hard. I believe one of the answers is that we've been so traumatized and stressed out because of what's happened. We have allowed it to paralyze us or cause us to run. I mean, literally, this amygdala in your brain has been literally lit, lit up. And that's where your fight and flight response takes place. And a lot of us, were, some of us are fighting, some of us are running, some of us are just freezing. And I, I'm concerned for the church today that we've been overwhelmed by this. I am convinced that we can recover. If you came to me and said, how can I recover I would say, number one, you need to get back into the disciplines of God's life. And I'd say, let me just repeat myself, live by the book, uh, know the book, obey the book. Start there. But then I would say, you need support around you. You need people to talk to, to pray with you. The way that we get through this is by doing it together. Everything about what's taking place in Joshua is about this amazing teamwork of an entire people of God moving together. When they got in trouble repeatedly is when someone decided to go off on their own. The Battle of Ai. Someone went off on their own. There are so many other examples throughout the, the history of the nation of Israel where when did they really get in trouble? Well, when someone decided to be independent. You know, the Word of God is clearly telling us we can recover. We can be strong, capable. There is a better way. There is a right way. There is the best way to recover and get through the pandemic. Let me be clear. Together. Ecclesiastes 4, 9. i got to read it. A lot of you know it, but let me just, you need to hear this. Two can accomplish more than twice as much as one, for the result can be much better. If one falls, the other pulls him up. But if a man falls when he is alone, he's in trouble. 
If a man falls when he is alone, he's in trouble. And one standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So we can move mountains together. We can repossess the land together. Because that's exactly what happened. They took possession of the promised land. It's called that because it was a promise of God. We have been given a promised land. It's called the peninsula. We can defeat the giants in the land, and we can occupy the land, but we do this together. The New Testament affirms that over and over again. Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Together, we share in a partnership. We can overcome the barriers. We can get across the Jordans. We can see the mountains move because we're a family. We're a family, the body of Christ. And we do this best together. When you become a believer in Jesus, you assume, listen, a relational responsibility, a relational liability for the people around you. You are liable for the people around you because that's how God set it up. I remember an amazing moment when I was in the military and I was in a mobility line in the Air Force. There's these, they call mobility lines when you get ready to go on an exercise or a deployment. This happened to be a, what they call, real-world deployment line. So there were Army and Air Force guys, and they were all getting ready to deploy to, I, f I forgot where it was, but to, into a real situation. And there was a group of guys there that I just saw, and I kind of noticed one young guy there, and he was Army. And I just kind of went up, and just, he looked really nervous, looked a little bit scared. And so I just wanted to see how he was doing. So I went up, and I said, so are, are you ready? You know, I, he, he kind of shared, yeah, I think so. You know, I could hear it in his voice. How do you feel? Uh, I don't know. And, uh, you know, are you nervous? He said, yes, yes, sir, I'm, I'm nervous. I think he's looking at me going, so can you get me out of this? <laughs> I said, well, how, how do you think you're going to do? And finally he looked at me and said, okay. You know, I really am nervous. But he said, I think I'm going to be okay. I said, why? Well, I'm really well trained. I know, what I'm, I know what my job is. I know what I'm supposed to do. And you know what? And then he turned and, and there was the group of guys behind him. And they're all kind of listening to our conversation. He kind of did this wave thing. And he said, because of Lee's guys, my buddies are behind me. I know they have my back. I know they will cover me. And you know what? I'm not afraid. I have this image of us standing up, and all of a sudden we might be facing something, and we might be afraid, anxious, or nervous. But then... We know God's with us, but then we look behind us and we go, I'm covered by my family. My family has my back. And you know what? I can go into battle. I can go into surgery. I can go into this situation at work because not only is God with me, but my family is behind me covering my back. That's what God is calling us to be strong and courageous to be very strong and to be very courageous because we have a hope for the future by the grace of God 
you and I can make a difference. Are you ready to make a difference? We can do this. And how we do this is because of what Jesus has done. Listen to the words of Matthew 26. It says, while they were eating, and this was the Passover, while they were eating together, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Here's what communion says to us today. As you prepare to receive the body and the blood of Christ and the work that he did, fulfilling the promises that he swore he would fulfill, which he did do, we can be strong and courageous. Receiving communion today is a statement that I and you are going to make together. God, make me strong and courageous to face what's in front of me. And I believe around this table, we can put a period on what God's going to do. And we're going to do it together, absolutely. Let's prepare as we worship. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that we're reminded, Lord, of what we have and what you've given us together. And Lord, I just, I thank you that we, we seek you. We want you. We really need you. And as we bring this worship, let it kind of open up that door for us to walk through. That as we prepare to receive of your body, the bread, the blood, the cup, we prepare, Lord, to let you put in us new strength and new courage. And God, we worship you. The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe, feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep, Lord, it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your head, lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. Your love is so deep. Lord, it's more than I can say. I melt in your peace, it's overwhelming. The more I seek you, Lord, the more I seek you, 
the more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you. As we prepare to receive the Lord's, the elements of the Lord's table, for you at home, I hope that you're ready as well. You have a moment here. That, that song we sang is so true. The more I seek, the more I find, the more I love. Can I tell you, I, I sing that, and that's, that's my life. You know, I discovered that when I really seek after God, take time to really through the word, through worship, through just being with him, I find him. And when I find him, the more in love I am with him. I've been walking with him a while now, and I still find myself loving him more. There's still more to love. Listen, you're never done. The Lord came to this amazing moment in the Passover. Remember, this is communion came out of Passover. And this matzah came by and Jesus, he broke it. And he made this radical statement. This is my body. This is my promise. I said I would do this. Here it is. Now is the time. I'm about ready to go and fulfill my mission, which is the cross, which is overcoming death so that you might have eternal life. This is my body. So be strong and courageous. Because if this is my body, then there's no reason for you not to be strong and courageous because of everything this means. Lord, we want to thank you that we hold in our hand the clear representation, Lord, of the sacrifice you made, the strength that we can have, the courage that can be ours because of the promise you made because, Lord, of what you've done. And whether we're at home or here right now, we prepare to receive strength and courage as we, in loving obedience, receive this, your body, in Jesus' name. Let's partake together, church. And then, as you recall, in the Passover, this third cup of the Passover of four came by. Remember the cup of redemption. And this came by, and everyone understood. This, is, this cup reminds us of the redeeming work. How is it that I can recover not only the land, but my life? How can I recover from the mistakes, the sin? How can I recover from the things that just have stolen my strength and my courage, how can I recover? By the blood of the Lamb. 
we recover because by his blood we are healed we are restored we are made new so as you receive this cup know that you can recover your strength your courage you can recover your life and Lord we thank you that this cup which means so much we receive it now and thank you for the strength and the courage you bring in Jesus name let's partake together church